So I want to talk to, uh, I, I'm excited, first of all, to, to, to speak with you. The, the, the message that I have for you, I think, is I, I, I'm, I am praying that in one way, shape, or another, whether the, the, the conversation, the topic of worship is something that you're like, I am a worship pro. I got it. I will do whatever God did. Like, whenever in the, in the Old Testament, whenever King David brought back the Ark of the Covenant and they had the, the, the parade, King David was out in front in his tunic, basically his undies, and he's dancing before the Lord, celebrating before the people. You're like, I am ready to dance with King David like that. Now, don't we don't we don't need that we don't need to get that expressive, you know? Like there was the place and time for that, you know. We don't need you in your undies up here dancing on a Sunday morning, right? No, but you're like I'm. I, I worship is me. My life is worship. Or you might be like, let's talk about another subject, Pastor Ben. Maybe we could we could do something else here if if that doesn't. If that, you know what? Wherever you're at on that spectrum, what I pray today is that. God challenges you in your heart in something new in worship or to discover something new in worship. And the one thing that is, that is true on worship is it does require an element of boldness. It requires some, some element of expression, right? And, and it, it comes out in a lot of different ways. And if you look at your life on a whole, I'm sure you could see a lot of different ways that people have worshipped something in their life, right? And I, I always love that story in the Old Testament, whenever King David did that, his 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 wife at the time then kind of challenges and Michael says, "Oh, didn't 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 the king make a display of himself today?" And I love his response. He's like, "Oh, you think that was a display? I'll get more undignified than that whenever I sing praises to my king." King David's like, "You you haven't even begun to touch where I'm at with my worship with God. I'm still struggling to get there myself." Man, right. No, but um, so another example, you say, well, what do you mean like throughout your life? So I remember this one time we went to a, a concert. I, I don't even know what the concert was. This is back ages and ages and ages ago. And um, I, I can't even recall. I, I was sitting up here thinking, man, who was it? Who was it this planet? I can't even remember. It was at the Starlight Amphitheater, or Niagara Falls Pavilion, whatever it is. It changes names like every, every three years, right? But I remember that at the concert, there's this guy that the and, I, and whenever I am not I am not exaggerating whenever I say from the, the the people that opened to the last song this guy ran around with a U.S. American flag running back and forth just at a slow jog the entire way one side to the other side one side to the other side and you hear him just say USA 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 now. I, Whatever you saw his pupils, they were clearly dilated, right? I mean, like, he was, I, I don't even know if he was aware that he was at the concert, right? But it was very clear, you knew exactly, well, he obviously had some positive feelings about the United States of America. And, and what my marvel was is how on earth did the dude keep his arms up? Because <laughs> it was, and then I remember at one point somebody, somebody took the flag from him, and man, it was like... Uh, it was like a maniac to get that flag back. Because, and then he, as soon as he got it back, he just went right back into the cadence, running, running around. But the dude was worshiping the USA, no doubt about it. You know, it's funny, but also then at the concert, you look at, you look at people that go to concerts. What do people do at a concert? I mean, they're, sure, there's some, some, sometimes some people just, you know, I just go sit in the back enjoy it. What are the people up front of the concert doing? screaming, they're yelling, they got their arms up, they're going at it, right? It's worship. It's a kind of worship. I remember whenever I was, whenever I was first, my parents were getting turned on to the the things of God, you know, and, and my worship experience up to that point was either in the Lutheran church, which, let me just tell you, boy, buckle up whenever they start to sing. No, I'm just kidding. Or it was in the Catholic Church, which, I mean, like, and I'll be honest, like, thank God for the aesthetics of a, of a, of a cat. It really drown out, you know, if you're not really on key. Man, that echo just, they, they knew what they were doing with that, right? But I remember going to, like, these, the, the Orthodox Catholic churches in Lindora, and my Uncle Mike in the back, like, just belting out, you know, these hymns. And, I mean, he is into it, right? But, I mean, still, you're just kind of standing in one spot. 
And then I remember we started going to this church, Abundant Life. And all of a sudden, like during the praise and worship times, I mean, first of all, people were clapping their hands. I was like, whoa, this is new. All right. And then like people be raising their hands. And I'd be like, and that too. And then like in certain parts of the song, you know, there's positive, like, well, praise God. You know, and it, it, what was the weird thing is it's like, it, it was almost like a chain reaction. It was like whenever one of them did it, then another one did it. And then another one did it. And then another one did it. Another one, another one. That, and, and everybody got, it was like, man, these, these people are getting all riled up over this. And so for me, it was like, well, this is, this, is, this is new. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? It was an outward expression of worship. But here's the big thing, too, is all those people that did it, you could tell it was genuine. It was from their heart. Their perspective of who God was caused them to react that way. And I learned and understood that lesson better whenever I was younger, of how important our hearts are in worship. But you know what? As, I, as time went on, I, I wanted more of God. And I realized, man, being the, getting into worship, there's so much in worship. And I'll tell you this right now. In my life, you know, you read the Bible, and the Bible gives you really good Really, God will speak to you through this word. He will speak to you through this word. You know, and it, sometimes it's correction. In fact, I don't know about you, but I, I, it seems like I need a lot of correction. And whenever I read the Bible, there's a lot of ways that I find to change my life, right? But you know what the, the interesting thing is, is I will never read in the Bible explicitly the chapter and verse where it tells me what I should do for a job in my life. That will never, it will never tell me whenever I'm dealing with a diff difficult situation, there won't be a chapter and verse that will tell me exactly what I need to say to someone, exactly how to say it and when to say it. It won't tell me, it never told me, couldn't find the chapter and verse explicitly that it told me to marry my wife. But I tell you what, in my times of worship with God, whenever I've really committed my heart to singing, Lifting my hands to praising him, I've found that God has spoken to me and given me more instruction in my life during worship than any other point in my life. And I'm talking about very, very specific things. Answers to problems that, like, you're sitting on, you're like, Good, I have no idea how, how to address this, how to do this. And I found that God has spoken to me. And so I began to value worship. Man, getting that, it's, there's, there's something there to it. And I remember there was, so as I, I after, Bible, after Bible college, my wife and I were in a, a program called Master's Commission. And Master's Commission was this, it, it, it was an intense ministry training program. I mean, they, it, it, was, it was all about hands-on ministry and you learning the ins and outs of, of, of how to minister. It was, it was beautiful. It was great. I wouldn't trade it for the world the time that I had with it. But they would do these things called Coram Deos. And what you do is you go with one other master's commission group that was in the area, and you would just get together and have like a worship night, right? And so the one, the one evening we were going to, uh, our, our, our instructor told us ahead of time, he was like, hey guys, the worship night that we're going to, just know that they're learning. And we all understood what that meant. Like, they're learning how to play instruments. They're learning how to, you know, get better. And he's like, but here's the thing. Your worship isn't dependent on what the songs sound like. Your worship isn't dependent on what songs they're even going to play. And I'm sure that there was a conversation from the one, the one leader to, to our leader on that of like, hey, give your, give your, give your guys some prep. Let them, let them know, you know what they're walking into. And I tell you what, like, and he's like, he, he, he was trying to be soft with it. And he finally just said, like, look, guys, they're going to be bad. Okay? They're going to be bad. But that doesn't mean that you can't worship God. And so we got there, and you know what? That first song hit, and let me just tell you, they were bad. <laughs> I mean, like, there, there is a treasure that I don't think you understand that we get out of praise and worship here, right? And it was such a challenge because, I mean, up to this point, you're used to, like, a lot of the, the ones that we go to. Master's Commission on a whole, that whole program is, if you don't know how to worship God, you will absolutely learn how to worship God by the end of it. That whole program is focused on worship. But that evening was such a challenge because it was, man, it's bad. They, they would miss words. The, the drummer would play 
for the chorus whenever everybody else was going into the verse. I mean, it was, it was off, right? But it was a challenge in my heart of God. My perspective of their music doesn't change who you are. And I had to focus myself to worship him. And whenever I did, I tell you what, it was such a good evening of worship. It was the best worst evening of worship. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> it, was so, it was so good. But because it was a challenge that I realized that that day that worship is not contingent on the songs that are being sung. Worship is not contingent on how good the musicians are. And thank God it's not contingent on how good I can sing. Right? I mean, like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's contingent on your heart. And what is your perspective of God? She said, well, this is a long intro, Pastor Ben. Yeah, it's definitely longer than I expected. But here's the thing. Our hearts determine, our perspectives put worship to be what it is in our life. Our hearts and how much we value our Heavenly Father will determine how expressive we become in what we are doing and what we do with our time in worship. Are we thinking about the things that we need to accomplish beforehand? You know, or after church, i got to get this done. It's been a nice 20 minutes of music while I did that. Okay, let's sit down. Or is it, no, 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 I am, I'm trying to disconnect from my week. And God, help me focus on you because you're bigger than what my week was. And I'm going to let you know, the whole concept of worship, we're, we are created to do it. It's in our nature to worship. And I'll just give you a quick glimpse. If you go to Revelation 4, I'll read it to you. It's not on, the, uh, not on the PowerPoint, but I just want to read it to you. Revelation chapter 4, in my Bible, it gives a subtitle. It says, A Scene in Heaven. I want to give us the idea that worship is not just something that is done here, that will be done here, you know, at a church. It is something that is a lifestyle. It is something that will continue on for all eternity. And we will be part of it. Yeah. It says, A Scene in Heaven. This is where, where, where John is seen. The, the, the actual throne room of God. It's amazing. He talks about, starting in verse 8, and says there were these four living creatures. You could read about the description of them. They're awe-inspiring. Each of them having six wings full of eyes around and within. And the day, listen to this, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. And it even goes further than that. It says, and when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, there's more. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy thou art our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For thou did create all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Now, I just want to give you some perspective on power. This fabric of reality exists because God wills it to. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of power. That's a lot. He deserves it. And the scene in heaven is, is that worship continues, continually, all the time, nonstop. And you know, in the, in, in, and I think what happens to us today is our, our, our concept of, in the Western culture especially of what worship means gets diluted by the culture, by what is going on in our society. And I, I think what we lose track of is, is I mean, if you read, if you read the, the news articles, you see like they'll, they'll say, well, Christianity and church attendance is, is on the decline. And is it because church has become less, less relevant or God is not real anymore? No, I think society has become a lot better at diluting things to worship. And I think that's really what it comes down to. There's so many more distractions to give our time to, to give our attention to. And we as Christians, if we're not careful, we'll do it. We'll fall right into it. Because, again... It's in our nature to worship. We were created to worship. And whether you want to admit it or not, you will worship something in your life or some things in your life. Now, the goal is to give our worship to the one that lives forever, 
to the one that causes all things to exist, to the one that is the beginning and the end. Why? Because, boy, that's the one that I want to be connected to. But our society today says, no, 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 there's so many more things that you should care about and be concerned with and pull into, and that's what you need to give your attention to. And, you know, it, God knows our nature that we, are crea- we're, we will worship something. And if you look in the Old Testament, God puts this out in Exodus 23, 24. This is, right, this is after the children of Israel come out of Egypt. And now, it, what's an interesting thing that I want to say If you look back, you go read that story. Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go so that they can go worship their Lord God at the mountain. And every time he says to worship, not because let my people go because they've been oppressed and you're treating them like trash, which they were being treated like trash. It was no, let my people go so they can go worship me at the mountain. And here's the interesting thing. Whenever the worship was the point of it, God moved heaven and earth to get those people out of that nation. He wrecked Egypt. Everything that was standing against them, getting to him to worship him, that was where God said, I, you will come whenever you come worship me. I'll show you what happens whenever you want to come worship me. And I mean, it got to the point where I love, I love the, where it talks about the, 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 the officials go to go to Pharaoh and just, could could you just please, basically saying, could you please let them go? There's not going to be an Egypt left if this keeps up. Pharaoh finally relents. They go to worship, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even a year before the Israelites show their true color, and it's, they lost their focus. They lost their focus. And God says in Exodus 23, 24, he's telling them, you're going to be going into this promised land. He says, do not worship their gods, because he knows they're going to encounter all these other gods. Listen to this. He says, or serve them or act like them. You're to destroy them and break their pillars of worship into pieces. Why? Was that because God was saying that, look, 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 look. He's saying, no, 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 keep your eyes on me. Remember what I did for you in Egypt? I am your provider provider. I am your healer. I am the one that can give you protection. I am the one that solved problems that you had no way of solving. Don't lose focus on me. Stay connected to me. If you do, if you stay within me, and I love that thing in Deuteronomy. You go read in Deuteronomy where it says all the blessings that he pronounces on them, if they stay connected to him and worship the Lord their God. Basically, I mean, like, here, here's the point. God even said at one point, you're going to go into this land. I'll drive them out for you. You don't even have to do it. You stay connected to me. I'll solve your problems for you. And I love the one who's like, and, I'm, and the, one, the one I'm going to get rid of those people, I'm going to do it with hornets. It's going to be good. You watch this. I'll take care. I mean, imagine living somewhere and be like, man, we just, honey, we got to move. Why? It's just the hornets. I, I can't, can't take them anymore. It's joking, but at the same time, it's also trivial to show you the power of God. It's like, look, you, you don't think that I, is my power limited? He even said that to them. He said at one point, is the Lord's arm too short? What, 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 you think I can't take care of this for you? That's why he said, stay connected to me. Because he knew we are creatures that are created to worship. It's in our nature to worship. And if we do not worship God, we will worship something else. And you know what? The Israelites lost their focus. And generation after generation passed, and eventually the Israelites were so corrupted in worshiping these other gods that they would take their infants, and they would sacrifice their infants to false gods by setting them on a searing hot metal altar while their baby burned to death to worship the false god of Molech. You say, whoa, pardon me? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Scripture where it says that they made their sons pass through the fire. You say, what? That's disgusting. That's terrible. Yes, it is. And I'm telling you, you don't get there in one day. But you start your journey towards it with one day. I mean, it's not like you're going to leave church here today, you know, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna watch the Pens game afterwards, you know, which they will win. Amen. Amen. They will win, and it'd just be like, yeah, you know what? The, the post-game press conference, 
hey, hon, let's just let's just stop going to church. You know, let's just you know what? I got, hey, guys, let's hop in. Let's hop in the car. Let's just go burn the church down. I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen in one day. But bit by bit by bit by bit, as you get distracted, it happens. All of a sudden, it's yeah. You know what, man? I I know I had a couple of those plans I was doing on that Bible thing, but I, I don't know, man, I haven't been in those in, in ages. I, I just, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to even pick up my Bible this week or, or read anything. And you know, I mean, this Sunday, it's been a rough, it's been a rough Sunday, or just a rough week. I, I, I just need a day. I need a day. You know, we'll, we'll catch church, we'll catch online. And you know, that next week is no different. It's, man, I, 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 I where, where was my Bible? I don't even remember where I put it. Is that app still installed on my phone? You know? And, you know, boy, this week was just as busy as the next one. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll, we'll get back in the church, yeah. And the week goes by. And then the next week, it's, well, you know, we, we had something planned. I, I needed a day off. And then that weeks, those weeks like that turn into months like that. And then the next thing you know, the, you can't remember the last time you spent more than five minutes in prayer because all you were doing is praying over a meal or praying with your kids before bed. And you've taken another step. And that week turns into another month with your prayer. And then before you know it, life hits you with something big. There's an unexpected loss. There's a problem with your job. Maybe you lose your job. There's some catastrophic situation within your family or with your friends. And then you're really suffering. And what's our reaction? Why did God let this happen? But you've been the furthest from having any thoughts towards him. You haven't worshipped him in any way, shape, or form. And you've drawn back. It's easy to look at the children of Israel and be like, what the heck are you doing sacrificing your kids? And then all of a sudden you turn that mirror the other way and you're like, whoa, hey, check it out. Let's, let's keep pointing the finger back at you here. Because our, 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 our lives are supposed to be worshipful to him. Here, here this 20-minute this twi- this time where we worship here, that is, that is supposed to just be an outward expression of what's been going on all week. But it takes effort to do it. It's not easy to do it. Trust me, I know. And I think the problem with this is that, like I said before, our society sets us up to be unfocused. Our society has done a great job by polarizing, degrading, and warping the entire concepts of respect, honor, or submission. And because of that, it makes the idea of this worship towards a deity where I fully submit myself in my mind, my will, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings, to submit him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't I have the right to my own? Oh, there it is. There's that Western culture that's creeped in. You see, and here's a, here's a, here's a quick 10,000-foot view. Because I'll tell you this. You look at all the movements going on today, they all want your worship. Green movements. Environment. They want you to worship the earth. The earth is more important than your life. Bend everything you are doing to better conserve the earth. Now look, God told us to be on the earth, to subdue it, cultivate it, right? I'm not, I am not saying like I, I have like YouTube videos of me pouring motor oil laughing down a drain, right? I am not advocating that. Look, take care, we, we, we should be taking care of what we have, but not to the point that we're elevating it, that that is the sole purpose of my life. And I tell you what, the green initiatives, that's what it wants. You look at, <laughs> you look at, <laughs> my wife calls them the alphabet team. Uh, LGBTQ plus whatever there's, there's however many after it come now but what do they want what do they want they want you to worship the identity of sex the sex that you choose and it's within your power rather than submitting to the one that said he made them male and female after his own image 
It's like marring the image of God whenever you try to manipulate that. Or how about equality, the race movements? They want you to worship race. Whenever Jesus Christ said, look, 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 in me, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. Are you born again? Then you are in my family. Now here again, don't hear me wrong. Am I saying that there's no, uh, there's no inequality out there? Absolutely not. There absolutely is. Am I saying that it shouldn't be dealt with? No, I am not. It absolutely should be. But to the point where all these race wars end up being that one is better than the other, no. And I was so focused whenever all this started, there was a pastor saying, look, the answer to all this is Jesus Christ. And that, but that's the problem, is because it's going to be so hard for everybody to get on the same page, to actually give value to their fellow human being in the way that Jesus Christ gave value to human beings. God loves you more than just to reduce us to something like that. The woke culture wants you to worship your feelings. Your feelings are your truth. They want you to worship it. Why? Because then they, that your feelings and their feelings. Actually, it's worship our feelings first and then your feelings second. <laughs> it's really how it goes. Rather than, rather than taking the stance whenever David even called him out in himself in the Psalms and he says, look, my soul, why are you downcast within me? Hope in God. Yeah. Make, I, I, and you know what? And you know what? It's so, I love it. I love it. I love it. Whenever you read that in Psalms, because he says, I will remember your deeds of old. Sometimes for some of us, we need to stir up whenever we feel like, well, I don't have anything to worship God for. Maybe we need this, this situation so bad. How did it even get to this point? We need to stir ourselves up with things that happened in the past or to remind ourselves when Jesus Christ died for me. He died for me. He gave me, it says, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Some of us, we have to get out of that place of our feelings because our feelings aren't to be worshipped. And that's the, that's the amazing thing, on, even on a Sunday morning in worship. I, I, found, I found the most powerful times of worship for myself are whenever I walk through the doors and I don't want to do it. You're saying you don't want to do it as a pastor? You're saying, yeah, I'm a human, Hi. You know, I mean, like, every day isn't just perfect for me. <laughs> but whenever you force yourself, no, I will not submit to those feelings. I will praise my God. And whenever you do that, I tell you what, God draws near. But continue with this. You look at the cancel culture. It wants you to worship the fear of man. Step out of line, we'll cancel you. Fear me and what I want. No. Does it line up with what my creator says? If it does, that's all that matters to me. Cancel me then. Jesus even said it. He said, look, all men are going to hate you on my account. I mean, he could have said, oh, look, all men are going to cancel you on social media on my account. <laughs> Speaking of social media, they want you to worship yourself. An image of the creator rather than the creator. The economy wants you to worship money and what money can provide rather than recognizing that God is the true provider of all. Science wants you to worship intellect. And you see, the, our society has become so humanistic that it's so easy to see, my gosh, the whole concept of worship and giving my, my honor, submitting to a higher power is so convoluted now because of all these different things, all these different voices crying out and wanting you to give your attention to them. And you know, those are just the macro things. There's tons of little things outside of that. I mean, it could be your job that you give your worship to. You're willing to sacrifice your family, your time, your emotions, all for my career. It could be your own personal interests, your hobbies, it could be how you perceive yourself, all the things I'm involved in, so that you can tell others how busy you are and how much you're involved with. That could be what you worship. It could be things like sex and everything that comes along with that. You'll give your time, your heart, your emotions, all to it. You know what else? It can actually be your problems in life. 
And I'm going to take just a moment and dig on this a little. Because the problems that we have in our life, we are never guaranteed that we are going to be free of problems in this life. The circumstances that we come into, we are never guaranteed that we're not going to run into them. Just do a quick inventory. Whenever you're talking to someone about what is going on in your life, what are you giving the glory to? Do you just continually talk about how bad it is and how you have no answers and how things just seem hopeless and it's the same thing over and over and over and over? And look, I'm not downplaying that, look, people have bad, they have terrible, terrible issues. Just, just this week, I was talking to someone at work. I love the quote, no matter how much pain and problem you think you have, there's always somebody that is in worse state than you are. So I'm talking to this person at work, and their sister is saying that they're trying to help their friend who they have, they have two kids. Their oldest, who's eight, has a brain tumor and has a bad prognosis. Their middle child at four is healthy, and they just lost their one-year-old who from birth and on was afflicted with severe spina bifida and all these other things. And now the eight-year-old is asking the mom and dad if they're going to die next. Oh, and I had to work an extra hour today. <laughs> like, like, my problems are a big deal. You know, I mean, honestly, you put it into perspective. I'm not saying, and you might be saying, man, I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty close to those people with some of the stuff that I got going on. It doesn't minimize how much God can come through for you in your life. But whenever we discuss that with others, if our focus is on our problems and our focus, and we give our thought to it, and we give our perspective to it, and we give our word to it, we are stuck where we worship this problem and it becomes this huge thing in our life. Whenever God says, look, nothing is impossible with me. And I love, you know what, I mean, I love reading through I love reading through the Bible, and you see all the almost impractical ways God solves problems for people. Man, he thinks on a whole different level. We don't even understand the categories of answers that, that he has to help us. They're so far beyond anything that we can think. But if we break that cycle instead of magnifying and worshiping our problem, because I tell you what, all of these things, the problems that we have in our life, the culture, it will keep you in a vicious cycle where you keep coming back to the same thing over and over because it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. You look at it, I mean, just any of those social agendas that I even mentioned, tell me at what point does it ever stop for any one of them? It never stops. Why? Because it wants you, and this is not, you think that these are people controlling this? Nah, 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 friends. This is the enemy controlling those people to draw you in because that's exactly what Satan wants in a continual perpetual cycle of worship under anything but your heavenly father. Because Satan knows the moment that you start to break off and you start to worship your heavenly father and you change your perspective, wait a minute, I know this is bad. I know this is bad, but you know what? I don't, maybe even you could start your conversation with, Look, I know this is bad, and I have no answers, and I am really struggling to go to God because I know that God can do something. I just don't know what. You know what? You've just taken a step out of that yeah. cycle yeah. to even say, I know, I know he can answer this, but I don't know how yet. Why? Because now you've started to put your hope into him. Even whenever you look and you see all these things at work, Satan wants you, even us as Christians, to think, man, there's no hope. Oh my gosh, the society is just going downhill. Jesus said, look, whenever you see those people, pray that the Lord would send labors into the harvest. Don't give up hope. Magnify him because he can send the right people to change the minds of these people that are out there today. And you might be one of them. But it's a change in perspective. And whenever we start to change this perspective of taking our focus off of these things that are in the world, and we start to look to him, our heavenly father, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we ask or think, all of a sudden it stirs something up in us. Wait a minute. There's hope. I can be more. I can have more than what I'm given. I can be given the strength to live in the life that I have. Because I'll tell you this, I will be the first to admit, we are not all dealt the same hand to live this life. We are not. 
we all have different problems that we have to deal with on different levels. But we all have the same God that is able to change our situations. And that's where it says, where God says, look, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's where Jesus says, the Father's looking for people that will worship him in his spirit and in truth. He says he seeks for people such as these. Why? Because he knows that as soon as I start to magnify God outside of my problem, he, that's faith. You see, God is not moved by our situation. He is moved by faith. Faith. And whenever you begin to believe, yes, God is greater than this culture that I'm in right now, and I can be a light to this culture, all of a sudden, I'm going to promise you, you're going to have ways to combat the situations and people that you come up with. Not just so you can cram them down in some hole and, yeah, I'm right, I got it. Because, look, that's the other thing our culture loves to do is it's all proving right and wrong. My value is only as much as I can beat you on Twitter or some social media post. That is not the nature of God. My value is not found in how clever my tweets are. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have Twitter. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> no, but your value is in how much do I worship my creator more so than what I am in here now today. That's why whenever you look at some people and you say, man, whatever praise and worship, people raising their hands, they're shouting, they're saying all this. Well, maybe they've changed their perspective to be more than what they see in their lives. And you know, the thing we have to watch too is we have to watch, sometimes our perspective is what really needs to change to start worshiping our Heavenly Father. Sometimes it's our first effort. Well, I'm waiting for God to show up. Here we go. Let's take a, let's take a look at something. Matthew, uh, Matthew 15. I don't think this is on the, in fact, I know it's not. Matthew 15. If I beat you to it and read it, it's because I'm running out of time. Matthew 15, I think it's 29 through 31. Here you go, yep, 29 through 31. It says, and this is talking about Jesus. It says, and departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up to the mountain, he was sitting there. Having gone up to a mountain, he was sitting there. He is not just chilling out on the corner. He's not chilling out, you know, at Cummings Coffee Shop. He has gone up to the mountain. And then it says this, and great multitudes came to him. Did they wait for him to come down to the mountain for them? It says they came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, dumb, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. They came to him. And then check out in verse 31. This is it. This is where the perspective shifts. It says, so that the multitude marveled, and they saw the dumb speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. When they came to him, they encountered him. And whenever they saw his power of what he can do, whenever they, you know what? I guarantee it wasn't just the crippled, the lame, the blind that were praising. It was the people that brought them. Why? Because they encountered something greater than themselves. And whenever they did, they responded in their heart and said, Praise you, God! Praise the God of Israel! It was a reaction. They couldn't contain it. And sometimes on a Sunday morning, whenever our week has been a mess, whenever our life and our families mistreated us, our friends have mistreated us, our job has got us down, I don't know what is going on, but sometimes we need to come in and know that the God of Israel, the one who wills reality to exist, the beginning and the end, the one that controls all, is here waiting for your praise, but will you go to him? Because it's not just a physical thing. It is a physical thing, don't get me wrong. But it's a heart issue too. And whenever my heart is aligned that, you know what? Maybe there is hope that he can do something that I don't understand how he can do it, but he can change the things in my life. I will praise you, God. You are able to do things that I cannot understand. Even and as soon as you make that reaction, it is like you are a super magnet 
for God's attention to focus on you. But it takes your effort. It takes you having to realize, in light of my circumstances, I will still put my faith in him. Amanda mentioned this last week. Boy, she did a great job last week. Amanda mentioned this last week where she was talking about Abraham. It says, where he considered the, his own age in the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet he believed. Someone, sometimes I think that, that, that speaks to so much of us in our situation. We got, look, none of us are free from struggle. But will you consider and contemplate that struggle and continue to give focus to it? Or will you be like Abraham and say, I know that this situation is rough. This situation is bad. The prognosis from the doctors is not good. The mental state of, the, of, of myself or people around me is not good. But yet, I know my God can do things that I don't understand. And whenever you do that, you have been activated and made him bigger than what we are facing. And I'll tell you this, whenever you change your perspective to him, those people that came to the mountain, they went to the mountain, to him. I guarantee you, their focus on what they saw, you couldn't see that, go down and then just not see the rest of the world the same way. It changes your perspective. And that's what I want today. That's what I want to encourage you today. Your perspective can change. But it's our choice. And whenever you start to begin to get that perspective changing in your heart, you recognize, and now it's not so hard to see, man, I understand why David then just absolutely lost his mind when he got the Ark of the Covenant back. The very presence of God came back into Israel. No wonder he's like, we're going for it. Praise God, we're doing it. And I'm sure like, David, we've got one rule. No, 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 no. He's like, I don't care. But you know what? It, what? Because there's a reckless abandon whenever I guarantee David understood my God is with me. I don't need to worry about, I, I don't even care what I need to worry about. My God's with me. None of it matters. And I'll be honest, you go read through David's life, David has some problems. Right? I mean, he was in a few situations that he also created. You know, you know? Sleep with somebody else's wife and then cover it up by killing them. That's messed up. I mean, if you're in that situation, I mean, that's messed up. <laughs> no, but here it is. He still did it and then was still called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he didn't sit there and let himself become depressed. And even whenever he recognized that he was, and I'll tell you what. You could almost read some of Psalms and say, boy, is David bipolar? Like, Jesus, P, man, these are some wild swings. Maybe he was. But you know what? He still put his faith in God to overcome it. And he knew that God was greater than not just the world that he lived in. Because you also read some of the conquests of what David had going on just on a, like a geopolitical yeah. thing. It, it wasn't all just hunky-dory. But you know what? He changed his perspective. And he forced himself to change his perspective. And whenever we do that to worship our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father will respond. Whenever those people came to Jesus on those mountains, what happened? Jesus said, hey guys, hope you had fun on the walk. Talk to you later. No, he recognized their faith. You came to me because you wanted something. You came to me because you knew that I could provide it. And whenever we do that in worship, I will promise you, your God will provide for you. As we, as we close out, I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come on back up. But as we, as we close out, what I want to challenge us is in our own lives, modify your worship. You know, in the, it, 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 I can't do it justice. I wish I could do more justice to it. But for time's sake, the Hebrews had nine different ways that they would praise God. Just to, just to give you an idea, just shooting through them real quick, there was halal, which means to praise, to boast, or to rave. The yada, which meant to point with the hands or put the hands up. Tauda, which means to give a sacrifice of praise. Here's the thing about a sacrifice. That's something that you have to produce. Shabak, which means to boast, to pronounce, or to announce with a loud voice of praise. 
Barak, to kneel. Taka, which means to strike or clap your hands together. Makal, to twist, to leap, to dance, to twirl. Talila, to sing a new song. Zamar, to play an instrument. Why? Because these were all expressions of an inward perspective that there is a God that is greater that I can give glory to for what he can do in my life. And you know, I'm excited today because we're going to close out. I want to, we're going to take communion, which is a, a, an amazing way to worship God. And before we do, the thing that I want to give everyone the opportunity to is you might say, man, Pastor Ben, you talked about this God, which you appeared to be pretty excited about at times in what he can do in my life. Where this all starts for us is where we come to him and offer our lives and say, Jesus Christ, I cannot save myself. I cannot figure this life out, let alone eternity. And whenever you make the, the decision to give your heart to Jesus Christ, he comes and he is your helper here, but he also redeems your life for all eternity. The only way to get to heaven the only way to see that scene in the throne room is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to have him forgive you of your sins. So real quick, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around the room being respectful, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you say, Pastor Ben, I want to I get to know this God that you, you're saying is, is greater than the world that I'm living in that is greater than everything that I'm experiencing I want to accept Jesus as my Savior if that's you today and you feel your heart stirred for that and you want to ask him for the first time I want you to raise your hand right now I see that hand anybody else say this is it I, I, I want I want Jesus Christ to be the object of my worship not my problems not this world Anyone else? Let's everyone pray this together. Everyone say, God, I ask that you would save me. Jesus, save me. Redeem me. I believe in you as my Savior, as my God. Forgive me, Jesus. Be with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, you are good. Thank you, Lord. You're good. So with this, we want to take the opportunity to go ahead and receive communion. The ushers are going to go ahead and pass this out. No, the communion is a, it, it's, it's a moment of remembrance. It's a moment of magnification of what God has done for us. What Jesus did by coming down to this earth, giving his body and giving his blood for us. And it's a moment of self-examination for ourselves as well. What is the focus of my life on? Is it all the things? Is it everything that's going on or is it truly on him? Am I living in sin? Am I allowing the things of this earth to distract me from really giving my life and being a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ? That's the moment right now to take and reflect and say, God, I want to change things. Maybe you say that with your life of worship. God, you know what, today I want to change things. I want to be more expressive whenever worship's going on. I want to be more, at home, I want to be more expressive with it. I want to think about you more often. This is the moment. I want to make sure, did everybody, everybody get served? Communion? Got a couple more here. John? So if you could, if you figured out how to get through the dual wrapper system, the pat patent the dual wrapper system, provided to you by... So, there's two elements, the, right, the, the bread and the blood. 
This is a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did by living his life on earth as a sacrifice to us. And that he willingly gave his body for us as a sacrifice. So go ahead and take the wafer. You could break it and eat it. Thank you, Lord, that we remember what you've done for us with your body. You gave it to us. And then we have the, the blood of Christ. And we do this in remembrance that by his blood that was shed for us, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, and all of the benefits of redemption come to us. Peace of mind, health in our bodies, a constant help. That's all available to us because of his blood. His blood wipes away the sin in our life so that we can be one with him. So Lord, we thank you for your blood that you gave it to us, that it cleanses us and makes us perfect before you, God. Go ahead and take and drink. Well, I, I pray that today that I may have challenged or motivated you in one way, shape, or another to modify your life of worship, to, to bump it up to the next level because there's so much behind it. There's so much power behind it that God has for us to tie into it with our lives. So I encourage you today, take that and remember it throughout the week. Spend, you know what, spend a little bit more time in this this week. Change your perspective. It all starts with our decision, and whenever we do, I guarantee God, God will not ignore it. He will meet us. Amen. Change the way we talk, the way we think. There's more for us in this life, and worship is the key. So go, let's be living sacrifices of worship. Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the time we had together. Lord, I ask that you would bless us, Lord God, and protect us until we meet here again. In Jesus' name, amen.